Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Sunday service. And I want to thank the musicians and chanters for the beautiful chanting, really lovely. We have a beautiful topic this morning. And we were, Jatish and I were very inspired this morning as we were talking about it because it's really central to the whole spiritual path. This, of course, is from Rays of the One Light by Swami Kriyananda. First things first. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. That expression, first things first, is a piece of counsel often given to students of business techniques. It is the advice of practicality to those who aspire to worldly success. But according to the Hermetic doctrine, as above, so below, that which works best in one level of life is often the best guide to what will work best on every other level. If a person is true to his highest priorities, he will generally find that his other needs are, fu are fulfilled naturally as well. This is true certainly of the search for God. One of the greatest sayings of Jesus Christ was this simple sentence in the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 6. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Paramahansa Yogananda gave his older brother Ananta a wonderful lesson in this truth. It was Ananta who had captured him and brought him back from his flight to the Himalayas, described by Yogananda in Autobiography of a Yogi. In Yogananda's book, we read how Ananta later challenged him in the city of Agra to pit his divine faith against such practical worldly considerations as the need for earning a living. Fearless before that challenge, the young aspirant agreed to go by train without any money to the nearby town of Brindaban, not to miss a single meal in Brindaban, and to find his way back to Agra without begging and without in any way asking for help. In one of the most thrilling chapters in the book, Yogananda fulfilled all the conditions of the test. Yogananda continued the account. As the tale was unfolded, my brother turned sober, then solemn. The law of demand and supply reaches into subtler realms than I had supposed. Ananta spoke with a spiritual enthusiasm never before noticeable. I understand for the first time your indifference to the vaults and vulgar accumulations of the world. Late as it was, my brother insisted that he receive diksha, initiation, into Kriya Yoga. As the Bhagavad Gita puts it in the ninth chapter, those who worship lesser gods 
go to their gods. But those who worship me come to me. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Om, Om, Om. Okay, we've got a good topic today. So, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So that really is the central teaching of all religions. And if you think about it, it is certainly the central teaching of the autobiography of a yogi. You know, Master in that book tells story after story, and there's miracle after miracle in it. And he's such a great storyteller that you get caught up in the stories. I mean, here are these two kids going to Brindaban, they don't have any money, and all of a sudden they have somebody come onto the train and tell them that the princes that were supposed to be coming with them couldn't make it, and you have to substitute, and they go and they have this stupendous meal, and you get so caught up in that story, you forget to ask, why is Master telling us this story? But if you look at the miracles in it, it starts, you know, the first miracle is on page eight of the autobiography. It's, it's Lahiri Mahashaya manifesting himself in a wheat field because, why? Because, well, Master kind of uses his family a little bit as a foil, as the stand-in for the material-minded people. Why does Lahiri manifest there? Because one of the disciples of him is an employee of Master's father, wants to go and see his guru, and Master's father said, no, you need to stay here, attend to business. You have to get ahead in life. And so he's walking home, and Lahiri manifests in front of him in a wheat field and says, Bhagavati, you're too hard on your disciples. So your employees, yeah, thank you. Uh, too hard on your employee. And so they both go, and of course, we know that Master's father and whole family become disciples of Lahiri and of the path of Kriya Yoga. But miracle after miracle, we have here the um, Brindaban miracle, but there's, you know, Master, again with his sister, um, says, I think if I want that kite, Divine Mother will give it to me. Oh, you big liar, he, she won't do that. And of course, he gets two kites just to show her. A little later on, there's another miracle with his family. His sister Roma comes to him and says, my husband is very materialistic, and he laughs at me, and he, he, he just, he, I, I'm having a very difficult time in my marriage with this. And Master says, I then had a sudden inspiration. Let's go to the sacred grounds of Dakshineshwar, the Kaligat temple where Ramakrishna had been. 
let's go in, in those sacred grounds in that right environment. It will be the right environment to help him change his consciousness. But again, what is the miracle? So the materialist says, be sure to get our meals taken care of because we've got to eat. And Master, you know, he's still young at this time. So uh, Master sits down and starts meditating on in front of the image of Kali, the Divine Mother. <clears throat> and as we know, that image grows huge and uh, he has a great blessing. But then the brother-in-law is really upset with him. You didn't take care of our meals. The simplest thing, the simplest thing that I ask you to do, you, you airhead, you didn't do it. And just then a priest comes over and said, I saw that you were worshiping and I've set aside meals for you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. That's the central teachings of religion after religion and passage after passage in all things. Now, this teaching comes obviously uh, from Jesus, uh, the teaching in the Bible. But where in the Bible does it come? Some of you may know, others may not. It's his Sermon on the Mount. If you know, in, in, in the Bhagavad Gita, that's a little portion of the longest epic, the Mahabharata, longest epic there is. It's a little portion of that. And it is Krishna's direct teaching to his disciple. Well, if you look at the New Testament, the Sermon on the Mount is the counterpart to that. It's Jesus' teachings to the disciples in condensed form. The, much of the rest is history and stories, and just as the Mahabharata is. But those two, that's why uh, Master compared and why he talked about um, Jesus and Krishna and why he was originally going to call the autobiography the Christ-like yogis of the Himalayas or of India uh, because it's all the same. So I thought it might be nice to hear a little bit from the Sermon on the Mount. It's, it's too long to read, but I'm going to read just this section where, where the, um, you know, this statement comes. Uh, so I'm going to ask you to close your eyes because it, it's so pithy. About half of the phrases that you remember from the Bible just come from this one little section, this one little chapter. So um, I'll, I'll summarize a, a couple of things um, because uh, we don't want to take too long in reading. But he starts out in chapter six, Matthew chapter six. He's already uh, given the Beatitudes and, and uh, other parts of the Sermon on the Mount, but he's still teaching now, uh, teachings on alm almsgiving. He says, take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father, which is in heaven. Then he gives teachings on prayer. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, 
for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. After this manner pray ye, Our Father which, is, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And I'll, I'll you know, he says on fasting, don't, don't make a big deal out of it. Do your fasting, but don't, don't make it obvious to men. Lay not, and it goes on. These, these are, there are only 33 of these little statements in this chapter of Matthew. Lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there also will your heart be. That's really important where your treasure is there also will your heart be. And finally he comes, um, I'll, I'll read this uh, last part. No one can serve two masters for either, please close your eyes and listen to this. This is Jesus talking to us. No man can serve two masters for he, either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will hold on to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto thee, take no thought for your life and what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for your raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall not he much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink, or wherewithal be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth 
that ye have need of all of for your heavenly father knoweth that ye have need of all these things but seek ye first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you take therefore no thought for the morrow for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof so isn't that Beautiful, the central teaching of really all religions is seeking first God. And we've seen it. You know, Ananda, Ananda as a work, Ananda especially, is dedicated to that principle. It's, this is, one might say, the best we can do as this group to manifest living according to the Sermon on the Mount, living according to the words of Jesus, seeking first the kingdom of God and having the faith that then things that we need will be given unto us. And it's, it's frankly, this is a very, very high teaching and a very hard teaching. It takes a lot of faith to live by, by the, these principles. Uh, Jesus was, Master pointed out, that Jesus was more radical than Krishna. Jesus said, don't take any coins with you. Carry, don't carry a purse. Krishna says, eh, be moderate. You don't need to fast too much or to, too little or, or you know, just, just be moderate. But essentially, they're both giving the same teachings, of course. The, the fact is that everything that we have is supplied by God. But it is very hard to have enough faith and even harder to live by that faith so that you assume and, and really feel and can live according to the principle that God will give you whatever you need. And he'll give it in a better way. But as I say, Ananda has been a living experiment. Uh, we're now 50 years into the history of Ananda. You know, there's a principle in uh, manufacturing called just-in-time manufacturing. It means you don't have a whole bunch of parts um, in a warehouse. You have them on order and they arrive just in time for you then to stick the transmission into the car that, that you're building. Well, God is the master of just-in-time manufacturing. You know, you, you kind of careen down the road and he doesn't seem to pull you back over on, onto the highway until you have two wheels hanging, hanging off and you say, we're going down, we're going to go down. And then all of a sudden a gust of wind comes and you're, or something happens, you know, and you're back on the road. And so life with faith is like that. You, you, God makes it fun makes it interesting. He gives us this roller coaster ride that isn't for wimps. It's, it's a real ride. And in order to live 
with real faith that God will give you exactly what you need at the time you need it is the essence of, of all religion. So if we don't do that, then that's the part in the Bhagavad Gita. If we don't do that, then we have the thought that we've got to take care of all of that stuff by ourselves. And so we worship lesser gods. Those who worship only God and his righteousness, they come unto him. But those who say, well, I'm not so sure that he's going to come through for me when I need the money, so I better get it all stored up. Well, we're worshiping the lesser God of wealth or the lesser God of whatever is going on in our mind. You know, almost all the time we've got some little bee in our bonnet. And much of the time we've got a bunch of them buzzing around in there. What do I mean by that? Master said that the real prayers that we have, it's not when we sit down and we pray, or even when we read something beautiful from whispers from eternity. He said the real prayers are the tape that runs in the back of your mind all day long. You know, if Master said at one point that we have roughly a thousand thoughts a day. So if we could have some magical technology that took those thoughts and sorted them out, and, and a lot of them you can discard because it's just like, do I turn left here or turn right? You know, that those kind of don't count. But the ones that are, oh, I wish I had this. Oh, if only that didn't happen. Oh, look at them, they did that. And th those, uh, those prayers of wants and dislikes, likes and dislikes, desires that go on in the back of the mind, if we could sort all of those out and at the end of the day get a little scorecard that said, uh, out of your thousand thoughts, 118 were about money today, or 76 were about who treated you badly today. You know, so, so those little bees buzz around in, in our brains. And our job as devotees is to take our hat off and let them go and seek the Son of God, the light of God. Seek him first. So the more we can turn our thoughts to God, the more we come to unto God. It's not that we won't be granted our wishes. It, you know, if, if we're after anything, if that's where we put our energy, we will ultimately achieve that. We have to. Every desire is going to be fulfilled. So the problem is not that we won't get our desires fulfilled. The problem is that they will, our wishes will come true. Reminds me of three guys on a desert island. They've been on this, marooned on the desert island for, I don't know, a few weeks. And one day one of them is digging in the sand and he finds this lamp there and he shows the other two and he rubs the lamp and a genie appears. And the genie says, I'll grant three wishes. And he said, well, since there are three of you, I'll grant each of you a wish. And so the first guy says, all right, 
I want to be, I, I want to be a famous actor in a big mansion in the hills of Hollywood. Poof, he's gone. The next guy says, I think I want to go to New York. I like the nightlife and all the action there. Poof, he's gone. And the third guy says, I'm already missing my friends. I wish they were here. <laughs> so it's our problem, too, with the genie. It's not that our wishes won't be granted. It's that they will be granted. And worse than that, once they're granted, we get trained to keep wishing. And so desire begets desire. Fulfillment of desire begets further desire until, as Master says, it becomes agonizingly monotonous until we say, oh, no, not again. B, get out of my bonnet. I don't want you in there. All I want is to seek God and God alone. And I do not want to seek things for myself. Now, when we do that, and Davy and I can absolutely testify to this from our own experience, this is not some hothouse teaching that we read somewhere. We have basically given our life to God as well as we could. And time and time and time again, beyond, way, way beyond what we could have done for ourselves, God has magically produced for us. And it's, it's been going on. We've been on the path for 54 years, 50 years, has been going on ever since we've been on the path. We know from our own experience that if we seek God, that all these things will be added unto us. But we have to be careful that that seek God and his righteousness and all these things, that and is important in there. We can't seek God and his righteousness so that all these things will be added unto us. That becomes spiritual materialism. And there are many paths that are basically spiritual materialism. Uh, learn how to visualize so that you can get the mansion in the Hollywood Hills or the trip to New York or, you know, so, but we have to be really pure. When you prayed, Swami got to the point where he, he one time, where he wouldn't pray for himself. One time, uh, someone said to him, because he had all those health problems and was taking karma onto himself, somebody said, Swami, why can't you pray that Divine Mother heal you? And he said, I refuse to pray for myself. Everything, everything needs to be. You get to the point where it's not like an affirmation. It's, it's unpleasant. It's, it's, you have a disinclination to ask for anything for yourself. It just it feels, feels dirty somehow. And that doesn't mean that you don't need things. As 
Jesus said in the Bible, God knows the needs of the fowls of the air and the lilies of the field and the grasses. If he knows all of that and provides for them, won't he so much more provide for us? Of course he will. But our life, the central teachings of all religions are to live according to that faith, live according to the Gita, live according to the Bible, make the Sermon on the Mount not just something you read, but a manual for how to live your life. And the same with the Gita and the same with all great teachings. When we do that, then God will provide for us all of these physical needs. But so much more than that, he will free us from the physical needs He'll f because it's all consciousness. Ultimately, the real curse of desiring things and working to get them for yourself is that you have to carry the seeds of those things from lifetime after lifetime. Whereas seeking first the kingdom of God frees you from all else, everything else. And no other wish, no other seeking, no other desire, no worship of any other gods will do that. Only when we seek God alone will that happen. And I'll end with this prayer from Whispers from Eternity. You know, Davy and I read from Whispers from Eternity toward the end of our meditations, have been doing that for a year, and then, and then uh, try to really um, commit to that, uh, you know, go deep into it. Well, I've been stuck on this one for about uh, three weeks now, trying to really draw the essence out of it. And in fact, it's one of the very, very few that Master has essentially a little footnote. He says, this demand especially should repeated, be repeated mentally with deep concentration until the prayer thought becomes fixed in your superconsciousness by con the conviction born of deep faith. And here's the prayers. Demand for the opening of the spiritual eye to find God in everything. My eyes are enthralled, O oh Father, with the beauty of heavenly flowers, with life's passing scenes, with the sailing silent clouds. Everywhere, all I see hints at thy presence. Open that eye in me which sees only thee. With that gaze, may I behold thee above, beneath, all around, within and outside me. Teach me in all things to see only thee. Open in me that eye which beholds everywhere thy hidden but ever subtly reigning wonder. And that, as he said, we should commit that to memory. That's number 103 in Whispers from Eternity in this copy on page 89, but uh, commit that to memory and, and keep working on it till it goes 
into the superconscious mind because when we can achieve that, then we will not only seek God everywhere, but we will see him everywhere. God bless you.